0: Welcome to the Mr. Nelson Show, episode 66, and of course, this will serve as our Christmas episode. Of course, I've been doing Christmassy episodes all the uh, month of December, uh, and uh, this one happens to uh, come about on Christmas Eve, so uh, this will be, uh, yes, the Christmas episode. So, we'll get right to it. Uh, I'll go through the uh, political news. (laughs) (laughs) of the week. Uh, But unfortunately, I'm going to have to do this show entirely by myself. Yes. Uh, Red uh, is a bit hungover. He's been on a drinking binge after uh, the Electoral College uh, completely certified that, yes, Donald Trump is the president. So he won't be with us. I think he was kind of spooked by lefty saying that, uh, you know, they were going to rise up and uh, able to turn the Electoral College against Trump and put Hillary in. But no, no. No, that didn't happen. And so, uh, Red was, uh, in the mood to celebrate. And so he did. So he's unavailable for the moment. Uh, for kind of the same reason, so is Lefty. Uh, <laughs> oh, since the revolution didn't happen, uh, Lefty is not in a very uh, happy mood. Um, he was, uh, pretty devastated as to what happened. Uh, Monday, when uh, the electoral college went ahead and and, uh, said, "Yeah, Trump, Trump's going to be president," so that's that. Uh, uh, Some electors did turn. Uh, There was the guy in Texas uh, who uh, I think he voted for John Kasich instead of Trump, and then there were some other uh, electors who turned their votes as well. Unfortunately for lefty and uh, people of his ilk, um. Those were Hillary electors who decided they'd rather vote for Bernie, and I think one voted for Colin Powell, so. (laughs) Boy, what a way to kick a sick old lady when she's down, huh? (laughs) So yeah that's over and done with so uh yeah just just mr nelson here with you on this christmas eve uh so i'll do a little rundown also ahead of time i'll go ahead and announce uh, there won't be a night night for this particular episode because uh there was just too much going on i mean look it's the holidays and i had cattle business stuff to deal with and every time i sat down there was a phone would ring or something and i just couldn't get to it uh Hopefully there will be one for the New Year's, because uh, New Year's, uh, the next episode will be New Year's Eve. <laughs> so uh, if I can't get that, I already have something planned for it anyway, and I will tape that show. So there will be a show, but uh, I don't know if Night-Night will be there. But uh, Night-Night will be back at some point, along with uh, Star Trucking and all that stuff. And then I, I've got some ideas for some uh, newer shows in the coming year uh, to... Uh, be a part of this podcast. So there you go. Uh, In the meantime, uh, as I've mentioned before, the Rob Saul show, another show that I co-host, is now a part of uh, uh, RadioMisfits.com and uh, the first episode should uh, uh, debut uh, uh, Christmas Day, uh, Sunday, I I hope so. Uh, It will be a best of the Rob Saul show, so it'll give you a flavor of what the show's all about. And then uh, successive shows will be uh, new episodes Uh, that are uh, broadcast live Monday nights on RIP Radio Network. And then the podcast version of the said show will uh, be here on Radio Misfits. So that's something to look forward to, yes. And uh, there will be a new uh, Levy show before the year ends. We're going to get together and tape one more. Bob's been busy with uh, Artie Lang and... uh, Joe, of course, is busy with his gig, and he actually did a gig with uh, Artie and Bob, and uh, so he's been busy with that stuff and uh, just, you know, life in general. And, of course, uh, Kensel was busy with puppets and toilets. So, these things happened, and uh, we will do one more show, and hopefully we'll get some more in as we're going. And there will be yet another show <laughs> called The Situation Report, that I'll be co-hosting with Bob and Sam McGuire, who uh, has a military background, and that's kind of what we'll be talking about, uh, political situation, a lot of stuff like that, and, of course, news uh, concerning veterans and uh, their needs and what have you. And uh, so that'll be the... Uh Uh, the mode or modus operandi of that particular show. So that'll be a new one to come along. So let's see. That's this show I do, the Levy show I do, the Rob Saul show I do. Situation Report will be a new one. Then, of course, there's Joe's other show, Conti and Kenny, that I call into. There's that one. Uh, Boy, I'm getting stretched thin here. Uh, (laughs) I don't know I'll be available for anything else. (laughs) So there you go for that. Ah, so, uh, anyway, yes, uh, Lefty, uh, pretty upset about the outcome of the Electoral College, but he wasn't alone. Uh, there were a lot of people that were upset, and they made their opinions known about this. In one particular, there was a video, uh, showing the, uh, announcement of the outcome in Wisconsin, uh, for the, uh, votes for Trump, and, uh... So uh, let's take a look at that. Well, I'll take a look at it, and you'll listen to me watch it. Yes. Thank you, tellers, for doing your job. Four electoral votes for President Uh, Trump. Thank you, tellers, for uh, telling the votes. The votes are 10 votes, Donald J. Trump.
1: Oh, Oh, Oh,
0: boy. Oh, boy. Oh no. Oh. Shame. Is that for them or for her? <laughs> lefty, I think we found your wife.
1: Listen to your heart. Listen to
0: Yes, listen to your words. It's like the Game of Thrones fan. i tell this week. You
2: tell
0: me Yeah. I don't think it's
2: going
1: to
3: work.
0: Okay. Um, oh, And the votes for vice president,
3: 10 votes, Mike Pence.
0: Oh, boy. It's a good thing she missed okay, that. Um, boy, yeah, they got her out of Mike's the room before she had to up. hear that. <laughs> oh, someone get her a pacifier, huh? Yeah, this is not America. Well, it is America. It's always been the Electoral College. And uh, that's another form of separation of powers, lady. You can't just have your mob rule. No, no, we got to be an actual civilization. So there you go. There's that. Uh, I'm sure Lefty will recover. Uh, He says the fight goes on. So we'll see Lefty probably for the New Year's show and, of course, in the coming uh, Nelson shows in uh, 2017 yeah so so don't worry he'll be all right so anyway and uh, let's see what else happened in the week I'm sure the Trump team is continuing their plans to drain the swamp well <laughs> not so fast it seems uh Corey uh, lewin remember that guy yeah I never really liked him uh I know Michelle fields made a big deal out of something that wouldn't necessarily be anything of course I I contend that she made a bigger deal out of his lying. Uh, He lied about the incident between them when he didn't have to, but he still did it, and that's the problem. I I don't like it when you lie like that. (laughs) That's your first instinct, is to lie, and that's his. So he's opened up a lobbying firm... And is having a meeting with Carlos Slim, who's the Mexican billionaire who owns the New York Times. That's an interesting pairing. And what would Lewandowski uh, be able to offer out of his uh, lobbying firm? What could it be? I can't imagine. What? Oh, right. Access to the president. Well, uh, ring any bells? Yeah. So if the idea is to drain the swamp and then repopulate it with uh, your parasites... <laughs> doesn't really solve anything so uh he says he hasn't received a cent from uh uh carlos slim but there's other forms of payment that access can provide so yeah not great and i just don't trust a little weasel and i kind of wish trump had dumped him but of course i knew better So he's there, and he's gonna have his lobbying firm. Meanwhile, his sons have set up a charity. Well, that's great. You know, charities are good things. They uh, help people and raise funds to help them out. But uh, in this case, uh, the charity was hey, for a million dollars, you can have dinner with Donald Trump. (laughs) So that there again, there's access to the president. The charity should just be based on you wanting to help people, and you donate the money. And there you go. That's the reward in and of itself, isn't it? No. So after all that campaigning and criticizing, and rightfully criticizing what the Clinton Foundation did, which is yet another corrupt scam, uh, to to go and do the the same thing, (laughs) that's just... yeah, so uh, I understand they canceled some events that I think uh, had to do with uh, meeting uh, Ivanka and stuff like that, but uh, but that still would have been an example of uh, you're paying for access to this powerful family, not uh, because you want to uh, do some good for whatever the charity's purposes are, and so... Uh, The way to avoid that is to not make the offer of these uh, great little treats in the first place. But, well, that's how it's done. Well, when you drain the swamp, it's not how it's done, right? Oh, we're not going to drain that swamp. Now, of course, Donald Trump and all this uh, hysteria that came about when uh, people like Newt Gingrich and stuff said, Oh, he didn't really mean it. (laughs) Trump said, Yes, yes, I did. We're going to drain that swamp. So, uh, he's Trump, and he's not president yet, so... Uh, we will see what he does, but uh, this business of lobbying firms and charities uh, with offering access, that's just what the Clintons did. And uh, if you're going to be true to your word, you're going to put a stop to that crap, but pff, not going to hold my breath. Meanwhile, speaking of Ivanka, of course, she was uh, on a plane. You might have heard about this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, a uh, flying coach, you know. You know, uh, and this guy is saying, "What is she doing here? I went right on a plane with the Trump, and a big crazy asshole." You know, yelling at her while she's sitting there with her kids. Uh, didn't go well for him. He got thrown off the plane. And he's like, "Why was I thrown off the plane? Just saying my opinion." You know, because you're yelling and harassing a woman. And if you're in any doubt that he was unaware that he was harassing his his husband, had tweeted. That my husband, yeah, well, you know, hey, it's the time we live in, and uh, said that he was assaulted Ivanka Trump and was going to harass her. So there you go, case closed. Also, there was another little tweet. Someone found that uh, there were some kids, and apparently, uh. Sometimes uh, t-shirts and stuff that uh, reflect uh, the 80s are popular amongst the youngsters since they didn't live it. And one of them was a uh, a t-shirt with the uh, Reagan-Bush campaign uh, slogans, uh, uh, signs and what have you, on the shirt. And so this guy snapped a shot of that saying, (laughs) I can't believe kids would wear something like that, what I consider to be hate speech. (laughs) Reagan Bush's hate speech. So this is how far whacked out and nuts this guy was. And uh, the uh, the uh, people on JetBlue did the right thing in bumping him up. I mean, look, you, you get in your seat and you sit down and you behave. You don't go around yelling at some woman and her kids. I don't care who her father is. And uh, so, yeah, leave Ivanka alone. Oh, and speaking of being thrown off a plane, uh, YouTube prankster Adam Saleh, I believe that's his name, uh, got thrown off a plane, he says, because he was speaking Arabic, uh, so the uh, people the racists were concerned and had him thrown off, uh, but he only shows the part where he's getting thrown off. And look, he's, how many pranks has this guy done? He's done several, and the media fell for it again because they like the narrative. That this is a racist country, and now in Trump's America, it's even more racist than it was racist before. So the racist racists are even more racist than they were racist, yeah. So anyway, uh, they fell for it, and there you go. That's his little story, uh, the little liar and a 9-11 truther and that sort of crap. Uh, The guy does not deserve any accolades or attention, but he's going to get it, and there you go. And he'll probably do another one, and they'll still run with it, because they're that stupid. Then, speaking of radical Muslim videos, there's one floating around, you can look it up, where uh, two young, very little girls are uh, told to strap on explosives and go kill people, and uh, apparently they did. So that's lovely, huh? Yeah. Also, just in time for the holidays in Austria, the police are handing out rape alarms because last year at this time, uh, as you might recall, thanks to the refugee crisis that Europe had just opened their doors for, uh, there was quite a few rapes going on. And so now they're handing out rape alarms, a little, little, uh, I guess, a little horn or device of some sort that uh, you set off it it makes a loud noise. So hopefully this will scare the attacker away and the authorities can come to your aid. So, hey, how about that, huh? So uh, this Christmas and uh, uh, New Year's uh, celebrations, you can have your rape alarm because uh, we're not going to stop rapists from coming into the country. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to let them come in. And so you got your little, your little horn there. And hopefully that'll scare them away. It's like a rape repellent of some sort. So there you go. How about that? Yeah, well, you know, you can't say they didn't do anything. So how about that? Oh, what else do we have? Oh, back here, a uh, Trump team uh, is going uh, wants to put a 10% tariff on imports into America. Uh, this will teach them for uh, going overseas and uh, taking away jobs from America and all that. The problem is, uh, if these are goods and services that you uh, want or maybe even need, you're going to pay that 10% tariff because see, what all it is is a tax on the product, so uh, the customer pays the tax. That's how that works. So, huh? Supposedly, it's supposed to make it uh, make them think twice about going over there, or if they're already over there, they'll they'll somehow come back. Uh, but, uh, typically what happens is the, uh, the other country, uh, just puts another tariff on the goods that are going in there, uh, prices continue to increase, and, uh, there you go, uh, the consumer, the consumer loses, that's what, that's what that's about. So, uh, hopefully this is part of Trump's art of the deal where he's bluffing and hoping the other side will blink, but, uh, I don't know, uh, he might just do it, uh-oh! But we'll see. Damn it, Doug. When are you going to stick up for Trump? I mean, why'd you even vote for him? Because I'm going to point out things that he does that I don't like. But when he does things that are good... Uh, I'm going to cheer that on. In fact, he did th- he did something very good. He stood up for Israel here when Obama, on his scorched earth plan as he's leaving office, uh, finally really stabbed them in the back. He'd been doing it a little bit here and there, but he had no political liabilities at this time, so he just let it all out how he really thinks. Uh, look, I'm just going to say it. I think Obama uh, has a problem with Jews. And uh, you, you have a guy who spent 20 years in a church with a pastor who admittedly does not like Jews. And you're going to tell me that has no impact on the man? I I don't think so. So uh, here we go with uh, the U.N. resolution condemning Israel for settlements. Here, um, Trump was able to uh, pressure the Egyptians who were pushing for this to back down, and they said, all right, we'll pull it off and we'll do it. So that was good on Trump. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough because the other countries involved decided, well, we don't need Egypt. We'll just go ahead with it. And unfortunately, uh, the U.S. could have just vetoed the whole thing. But no, the the U.S. voted to abstain. Oh, boy. Just, you know, how spineless is that? Oh, so people are all upset about these settlements. Let me tell you something. The two-state solution they keep talking about for the peace process, there is no peace process. Uh, President Clinton and uh, Prime Minister Ehud Barak back in the the 90s, he was the Prime Minister of Israel at the time, they worked out a deal for a two-state solution. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they were meeting with Arafat, and uh, it was there. There would have been a Palestine. It was done. Arafat threw it back in their faces, and then after that, the Palestinians engaged For the next two years after that, in wholesale slaughter, just murdering Jews all over the place in Israel, uh, you know, blowing up the pizzerias and all that sort of thing, and then 9/11 happened and they got scared and kind of quieted down because no one quite knew what was going to happen next. But that's what they were doing, and so there's never going. They don't want to live with Jews. That's because they they raise their kids to be these Nazis. I mean, it's just a constant Jew-hating cult, really. And uh, how are you going to make a deal with that? So there it was. I'm not going to forget that. There was the the deal to get your state. You could have had it. You didn't want it. You want to kill Jews more than you want the land. So that's it. If Israel takes the whole thing, I don't care. Good for Israel. So there. And the idea that this is uh, an imperialist move for a few miles of dirt is just, ridiculous but people who come out of the academic bubble like obama believe this shit and there you go how about that for christmas and happy hanukkah huh yeah great going obama so yeah trump did the right thing and trump is right now I, you know i've mentioned to him his name before uh ben shapiro whose show i like and uh he was talking about this on his show And he made an interesting point here because, uh, some people are talking about, well, let's just pull out of the UN, which I would just love. So if this move by Obama results in that, then, hey, maybe it was a good thing. (laughs) It's not the result he would have wanted, but so what? So, uh, good point by uh, Shapiro. So there you go. Trump did a good thing standing up for Israel and, uh, uh the UN you're you're on notice <laughs> cuz uh, what a waste of money that is. I mean uh do you really want to be a continued member of the largest anti-Semitic organization since the Nazis? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we'll continue with this uh Christmas episode. <laughs> uh after a short break as I play my uh Promotion for TweakedAudio.com, which you need to check out, which is a fine sponsor of Radiomistries.com and this program. And you can use the Mr. Nelson uh, uh, code and uh, get 33% off. So, uh, well, I'll play the ad. It explains it better than that. And uh, when we come back, your special treat, uh, A Christmas Carol by the Mercury Theater on the Air group that uh, Orson Welles founded. Uh this, and or, this is Orson Welles' production of uh, Christmas Carol, the old classic. And uh, of course, this is the same group that did the uh, War of the Worlds <laughs> that caused all this, the hysteria. This one didn't. Um, but that's what the, they were doing. They were doing uh, radio play adaptions of uh, classic literature. And uh, of course, Christmas Carol with Dickens, uh, they did for Christmas. And I'll play it for you after this short break. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. In Copenhagen, it was like Black Friday when fabulous Dagmar, every stunning, sensuous inch of her turned over to her lover and said,
1: I've had enough of this rat race. I'm never coming back.
0: No earth creature born was so exquisite as Dagmar. Leggy, porcelain soft skin. All over luscious, a dedicated artisan at her trade's perfection. And two, her dazzling array of co-workers made Paris second rate for jet-set swingers. most astonishing collection of Scandinavian beauties ever. Sensually bold, as torrid as if you were there in the very same bedroom. Dagmar's Hot Pants Incorporated, where other films have yet to dare. Rated X.
1: Tell me, you're not afraid of sex, are you?
0: Like the sound of my voice? Yes, you know you do. And you want to hear it in the best way possible. So why not get yourself some headphones and accessories from tweaked audio? Key features include eight colors and styles, mic'd and non-mic'd versions designed to sound great for music and talk. Noise reducing design with a lifetime warranty. So head over to tweakedaudio.com and use discount code Mr. Nelson at checkout for 33% off and free worldwide shipping. That's Mr. Nelson. M R N A I L S I N. It's not case sensitive, but it is all one word. That's tweakedaudio.com. How come everybody always says you might catch a cold? Isn't it more accurate that the cold catches you? (laughs) I don't know, I was just wondering. Anyway, here's a little short film on colds. It's filled with runny noses, coughs, sore throats, and all the stuff we all love about the common cold. Now, if you get sick after watching this one, don't blame me. I just told you that this film is all about getting sick. <laughs> Warning! The Surgeon General is not amused about this short film. Yes, when you want to see films like this and others with my witty commentary and clever little sound effects, <laughs> you need only head over to Selfie.com slash Nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash Nelson. N a i l s i n. It's just that simple. And you can look up this particular new film called Nelson Riffs, Sniffles, and Sneezes. <laughs> there you You can see the trailer and simply download for a mere 90 cents. Oh my goodness. Can it be true? Yes. Yes, it is. So head over to cellfi.com slash Nelson and get cracking on those clever little films with me. Yes. And now... Back to the Mr. Nelson Show, here on RadioMisfits.com. Okay, as promised, it's now time for Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air's version of A Christmas Carol.
3: Present the Campbell Playhouse. Orson Wells, producer.
2: Good evening, Mrs. Orson Wells. There are clearly a number of ways in which you're Christmas Carol could be introduced. Myself, I am most struck by the happy fortune that enables us on this Christmas Eve to present Mr. Lionel Barrymore, the best-loved actor of our time, in the world's best-loved Christmas story, A Christmas Carol. When Charles Dickens presented this little story to the world almost a hundred years ago, it found an instant response in the hearts of people everywhere who saw in it their favorite fictional chronicle of what Christmas is and what Christmas means to all the simple people of the earth. From the day of its first printing, families have been innumerable in which there has remained unbroken the tradition that the reading of a Christmas carol was an item indispensable to a proper observance of the most important of days. It is the American way, as we know, to establish traditions quickly where popular instinct and sentiment pronounce them sound. And so it is that today, actually, only the fifth anniversary of Mr. Lionel Barrymore's first playing of the part of Ebenezer Scrooge for the Campbell Playhouse, there is, I think, in all America nothing more eagerly awaited, more firmly rooted in the hearts of the radio family that numbers millions than this yearly performance of A Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol, as Charles Dickens wrote it, has by common consent long been a classic. Mr. Lionel Barrymore's appearance in it is rapidly becoming one. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house, a grim, cheerless place if ever there was one. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who in a cold and dismal little cell beyond worked at his ledgers.
1: 22. Oh, Merry gentlemen, let nothing be you despair. 23, 26, 29. 9 carry 2. Christmas Day. 7, 15, 17,
4: 17. I'll it. Uh, yes, Mr.
3: Scrooge. Stop that infernal chatter-walling. Yes, sir. 9, 15, 17, 17 19, come, 19, 19, 19, singing their idiotic Christmas carols at my very door.
1: <laughs> on, Get away from my door!
3: Go somewhere else and fill your blasted carols or I'll give you in charge.
1: Sorry, Governor. It's an old custom at Christmas time, you know.
3: Yes, and I don't want any of your old customs. Take your fellow fools and go away. Christmas. Blah. Right, sir. Merry
1: Christmas anyway, sir. Bleah.
3: Now you get that letter from Higgins and Blackthorn, Fatchett. And then I want you to finish posting this ledger. And after that, you can pop over to Fothergill's and tell Ephraim, for him, Fothergill, you've come after the seventeen shillings and sixpence he's owed me since Michaelmas. And tell him I shall have a constable over there if he doesn't pay up at once. Hey, Mr. Fappico's wife has been ill, sir. Oh, what do why care about his wife? I want my seventeen and six. I, I just thought it being Christmas, sir. Christmas. Christmas. You mention that word to me once more, Bob Cratchit, and I... Uh, Merry but... Christmas, Uncle. A Merry Christmas,
4: Bob. A Merry Christmas, Mr. Cratchit. God save you, Uncle. i uh, Christmas, a humbug, Uncle. Now, I'm sure you don't mean that. I mean just that,
3: exactly that. Merry Christmas. What right of you to be merry? What reason have you? You're poor enough. Well, what right have you to be dismal about Christmas, Uncle? You're rich enough. Yeah. Now, Uncle, don't be cross. Well, what else can I be when I live in such a world of fools? What's Christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money? Merry Christmas time of finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. He should! Uncle! Now, nephew, keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. What do you want, you Christmas gift, there's no doubt. I came to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Merry Christmas. Much good may Christmas do you. (laughs) Much good it ever has done you. There are many things from which I derive good, by which I have not profited
1: materially, I dare say, Uncle. Christmas among the rest. But I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. And therefore, Uncle, though it has
3: never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it.
1: God bless Christmas. Hurrah!
3: Let me hear another sound out of you there, Bob Cratchit, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. Yes. As to you, nephew, I wonder you don't go into Parliament. You talk enough nonsense. Oh, don't be angry, Uncle. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry you feel that way.
1: Well, I've tried. A Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year, too. Ah,
3: humbug.
4: And a
1: Merry Christmas to you, Bob, and the Missus. and the
3: time here. Thank you, Mr. Craig. Thank you, sir. Good day, sir. Good day, Bob. Nonsense. Twaddle, flummery. The talking of Christmas and not two sixpences to jingle together in his trousers' pocket. Hey, you there, Bob Cratchit, Come here. What are you doing there? I'm only putting a bit more coal in the fire, Mr. Scrooge, seeing it's so cold in there, sir. You put that coal back into the scuttle. A fire. A fire, indeed. I can tell you, if you use coal at that rate, you and I will soon be parting company, Bob Pratchett. You understand that? There's many a young fellow like your situation, you know.
1: I'm sorry, sir. My fingers were getting a little stiff with the coal.
3: Then put on your mittens. Someone at the dog Go on, see your it is. Oh, yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. This is the firm of Scrooge and Marley? Yes, sir. I should like to see the head of the firm, if I may. Oh, very good, sir. What is it? I'm a gentleman to see you, Mr. Scrooge. Huh? Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's been dead these seven years tonight. I'm Scrooge. Well, now, Mr. Scrooge, at this season of the year, it's only fitting that we who are more fortunate should raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of want. You may not believe it, sir, but many thousands are now in want of common necessities. And hundreds of thousands are in want of the simplest comforts. Uh, are there no prisons? Well, there are plenty of prisons, sir. And the workhouses, they're still in operation, I trust? I wish I could say they are not, but they are, sir. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor, then? Both very busy, sir. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. No, sir. All these institutions that you mention are flourishing. But it's nevertheless true that some additional provision for the poor and the destitute must be made. Ah. A few of us upon change are endeavoring to raise such a fund, you see. And uh, what shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, I see. You wish to be anonymous, sir. I wish to be let alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas time. And I can't afford to help make a lot of idle people merry. I help to support the establishments that take care of the poor. They cost enough. Let those who are badly off go there. Many can't go there, sir. And many would rather die. Well, my advice to them is to do so and decrease the surplus population. Besides, I've only your word for it that all this is so. It's the truth, Mr. Scrooge. So be it, then. It's not my business... It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, sir. I quite understand, Mr. Scrooge. Thank you. Show this gentleman out.
1: Yes, sir. This way, sir, please. Sir, I couldn't help overhearing. I should like to contribute, Trevance. Thank you. Yes, sir. It isn't much, but it's all I can afford. But there are others in worse situation than I. You're
2: a generous fellow. I wish I might
3: say so of your employer. Cranky, yes, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas.
4: Yes, sir.
3: How your Yes, sir. <sighs> Twenty-four, thirty-one, one and carry three. New scarlet tippet for Tiny Tim. A comb for Martha. Thirty-three, three and carry three. A hair ribbon for Belinda. Four, seven, twelve, fifteen. Cranky. Yes, yes, sir. It's too late to have you go to Pockergill's. He'll be closed up for Christmas like these other fools. We may as well close up the place now. Yes, sir. It is getting a little dark. Hard to see the figures. Uh, I I suppose you'll want the entire day tomorrow. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient. And it's not fair either. But I suppose I can't do anything about it. If I was to stop half a crown of your wages, you'd think yourself very ill-used, I'll be bound. Well, sir, I... Yeah, but you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work? only once a year, sir. Once a year? Once a year, indeed. A fine excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose there's no good talking. You must have the whole day. Well, see that you're here all the earlier the next morning. You understand? Oh, I will, sir. I will indeed. Good night, sir, and merry christmas. Ah. Merry christmas. Ah.
2: Was closed in a twinkling, and Bob Cratchit, with the long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no greatcoat, went down a slide on Cornhill twenty times in honor of its being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play with his family at Blind Man's Bar. Scrooge, on the other hand, took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern having read all the newspapers and spent the rest of the evening with his banker's book went to his dismal house. Darkness is cheap and Scrooge liked it. The yard was so dark that even Scrooge who knew it's every stone had to grope with his hand through the fog and the frost to find the door. Scrooge walked through his rooms to see that all was right. Sitting room? Bedroom? Lumber room? All as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa. Nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet. Closed the door. He locked himself in. He double locked himself in. And took off his cravat, put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap. And sat down before the fire to take his gruel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> Monday. Monday.
4: Molly, I
3: could have sworn I saw. Ah, Humbug. Molly's been dead these seven years. Humbug. All humbug. What I need is a good night. Hmm. What? What that? Someone's in the place, but the door's locked and double locked.
4: Something's... It's... It's coming. Some...
3: Something is... It's coming closer. Outside my door. Ah, up,
4: I won't believe it. This humbug's thing. Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge.
3: <laughs> Marley. <laughs> oh, no. What do you want with me?
4: I want much of you, Ebenezer. Who? Who are you?
3: Ask me who I was. Uh-huh. you're very particular or a ghost. All right, then. Who were you?
4: In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley.
3: But you're dead. You died seven years ago. Seven years ago this very night. You
4: are a ghost, then. What's wrong, Ebenezer?
3: Don't you believe in me? I do not. You doubt your senses, Ebenezer? Uh, yes, Because a little thing affects them. Like slight disorder the stomach makes them cheat. Can't be a ghost. You, you may be an undigested bit of beef, or a blot of mustard, or a cr- cr- crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. <laughs> yeah, there may be more gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. Ah, humbug, I tell you. Humbug.
1: <laughs> this evening,
3: I do believe. You are a ghost, Jacob.
4: Thank you. But
3: well, why, why do you walk the earth,
4: Jacob? Why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide to witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth, and turn to happiness.
3: Well, tell me, Jacob... Did, what is that chain you wear around you? I wear
4: the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard by my own free wills. Is its pattern strange to you? Cash
3: boxes, keys, padlocks, and ledges and purses.
4: Yours was as heavy and as long as this seven years ago. You have labored on it since,
3: Ebenezer. Oh, Jacob. Speak comfort to me, Jacob.
4: Comfort I have none to give. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger. Weary journeys lie before me. You
3: travel fast?
4: Yes, Ebenezer. On the wings of the wind.
3: Uh. Seven years dead and traveling all the time?
4: Seven years, Ebenezer. Seven years of remorse. Ebenezer, do you know that no space of regret can
3: make amends for one life's opportunities misused? But you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Business.
4: Mankind was my business. Charity, mercy, benevolence. They were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my
3: business. Jacob, Jacob, don't take on so now. Jacob.
4: Listen to me, Ebenezer.
3: I listen to you, Jacob. Go on, Jacob, now. Speak to me, but don't be so flowery.
4: Ebenezer, I am here to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. Do you hear that?
3: Yes, Jacob. Yes, you, you always were a good friend to me, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. But, but go on, go on, go on, go on. How shall I escape? Oh, I'm afraid, Jacob.
4: You will be haunted by three
3: spirits. Is that the only chance and hope, Jacob? It is your only
4: chance
3: and hope. Well, but... then I think I'd rather not. Without their
4: business, you cannot hope to shun the tarp, I friend. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one.
3: Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob?
4: Ebenezer, look that for your own sake you remember what has passed between us. And remember, when the bell tolls one, look for the first spirit. <laughs> mine. a mine!
2: Scrooge awoke. He was lying on his bed fully dressed. Suddenly the curtains of his bed were drawn aside and Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them as close to it as I am now to you. And I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. It was a strange figure, like a child. Yet not so like a child as like an old man. Its hair which hung about its neck and down its back was white as if with age, and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on the skin. The arms were long and muscular, the hands the same, as if its hold were of uncommon strength. Ebenezer Scrooge. <gasps> who, who, who's that?
3: Ebenezer Scrooge, I have come for you. Oh, you, uh, are you the spirit, sir? Who's coming was foretold me. I am that spirit. (laughs) What are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. (laughs) Long past? No, your past. But what do you want of me? What brings you here to haunt me? Your welfare, Ebenezer Scrooge. Rise and walk with me. Oh, no, 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 no. No, not not out of the window. I can't do that. I'll fall down. I'm not a spirit. I'm mortal. And I'll fall. Bear but a touch of my hand upon your heart. And you shall be upheld in more than this. Come. Follow me. Where are we? What's become of the city? <laughs> There's snow upon the ground. Where are we? These are the shadows of the things that have been. You recognize this countryside? Oh, oh. I know every inch, but every rock, every tree. And that bleak building over there? Oh, that building. That. I was a boy there. Yes, I went to school and that... Horrible place Do you recollect that path? (laughs) I could walk in blindfold. Strange you should forget it so many years Come, let us go closer Look through the window into that cold, barren room What do you see, Ebenezer Scrooge? I see a boy A solitary child Neglected by his family Alone Yes, yes, I see I know that boy Oh, oh, I was so lonely, poor boy. Your lip is trembling, school. And what is that on your cheek? It's nothing, nothing at all. I wish I... Ah, it's too late now. What's the matter? Nothing, nothing. The waits came to my door singing Christmas carols last night, and there was a boy like that among them. A poor, pale, thin little boy in a ragged coat. I should like to have given him something. That's all. Is that all? Come, Ebenezer Scrooge. Let us see another Christmas.
2: Do you know this place, Ebenezer Scrooge?
1: I know it?
3: I know it? Oh, hey. This is the counting house where I was in listen. It's my old master, bless it. Old Fezziwig. My master, alive again. And hosted one of his Christmas
4: parties. (laughs) Take each your party. Turn to him. Now and quick, Cut the roof, Tilt the needle, and back to your places. (laughs) And there's Dick Wilkins. Poor Dick. Dear, dear, dear. Yes, and look there's Mrs. Fuzzywig
3: herself, looking younger than any of them, and the table all loaded with roast and cider, and mince pie and beer. Oh, what a jolly time we used to have! That carefree young man with a light heart and a gay smile. Do you recognize him? Yes, yes, yes. Merciful heaven. How happy I was, then! A small matter for old Pesawid to make those silly folk so full of joy. Small matter? Small indeed. Isn't it? He has spent only a few pounds of your mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves praise? Ah, it's not that. It's not that, spirit. Old Fezziwig has the power to make us happy or unhappy. To make our service light or heavy. His power lies in words and looks and in things so tiny that it's impossible to count them up. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost her. Uh... What is the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all, Spirit. Something, I think. No, no. Speak. Well, only it's just that I should like to be able to say a word or two to my club. Bob Cratchit. That's all. The club can retire. and
1: the needle. My time
3: grows short. And we have yet another journey to make. Where now? Come. This is our last visit to the past, Ebenezer. Here, in this little room, with a fair young girl by your side. Do you recognize yourself, Ebenezer? (gasps) No, 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 no. Spare me this You're older now. A man in the prime of life. Your face has begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. Your eyes are greedy. The eager, restless eyes of a miser. No, no, please. She knows it, too. That girl by your side. There are tears in her eyes. That is little, little
1: Ebenezer, to you. Very little. I know that. Belle, have I changed toward you? When we were engaged, we were both poor. Was it better then? Better to be poor? Better at least to be happy. You're changed. You were another man, then. I was a boy. You blame me because I've grown wiser. Have I ever tried to break our engagement? In words, no. Never. In in what, then? In a changed nature. In an altered spirit. In everything that made my love of any value in your sight. So I release you from your promise. Belle! Oh, at first it may cause you pain to lose me. A very brief pain. But soon it will be dim. Like a half-remembered dream. An unprofitable dream. And you will be glad to be awake from such a dream. May you be happy in the life you have chosen, Ebenezer. For the love of him you once knew. It's enough.
3: Show me no more. Take me home. These the... were shadows of the things that have been. That they are what they are, do not blame me. No, no more, no more. One shadow more, come. Do you see this man, Ebenezer Scrooge? This man might have been you. And the woman beside him, your wife. And that girl. That girl might have been your daughter, Ebenezer Scrooge. She might have called you father. Father. She might have been a springtime in that haggard winter of your life. Let you go. Show me no more. Listen now while they speak, Ebenezer. Well, I saw an old friend of yours today.
1: Who was it? Yes. How can I? It's Oh, I know, Mr. Scrooge.
3: Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window. It wasn't shuttered. There was a candle inside, so I couldn't help seeing him. His partner, Marley lies at the point of death, I hear. And there Scrooge sat, all alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe. Spirit, Spirit, I can't bear any more. Leave me. Haunt me no more. Take me back. Take me back.
2: wakened suddenly and sat him bolt upright in his own bed. You remember the words of Marley's ghost and wondered from which direction the second specter would appear. At that moment, nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would have astonished him very much. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. And consequently, when no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Five minutes, ten minutes. A quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. Then, as he sat in his bed, he became aware gradually of a great blaze of ruddy light that seemed to shine upon him from the adjoining room. He got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. It was his own sitting room, no doubt about that. But it had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove. From every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened and such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney as had never been known in Scrooge's time, or for many and many a winter season gone. Heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne were turkeys, geese, game, poultry, great joints of meat, sucking pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn, and held it up, high up to shed its light on Scrooge, as he came peeping round the door.
3: Come in, come in, Ebenezer Scrooge, and know me better, man. You, no, you no. I am the ghost of Christmas Present
1: look
3: upon me. You've never seen the light of me before. You're you're different from the other spirit. You're tall, almost a giant, and that great torch you carry. Its light falls into the homes of rich and poor alike. Spirit, take me where you will. Last time I went against my will and learned a lesson which is working now. If you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe, Ebenezer Scrooge.
4: Touch my robe.
3: This your city, an humble dwelling, an humble street. <laughs> it's miserable enough. Yet there is happiness there. Who, who are these people? Who's that woman and the children? These are the family of your clerk, Bob Platchett. He His wife, in a twice turned gown, but brave in ribbons, laid the table for their Christmas dinner. And there, assisting her, is their daughter, Belinda, and the young man with a
1: fork in the stuffing. That's smashed the feet of And the two little Clatchett, listen, screw Martha, Mother, Martha! Bless your heart alive, Martha, my dear. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Mother. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How late you are, my dear. Oh, we had a deal of work to finish up last night, and we had to clear away this morning. Well, never mind so long as you're here now. Sit you down before the fire and have a warm. Lord bless you. Where's Father? He's been to church with Tiny Tim. They'll be along directly. How is Tiny Tim, Mother? Any better at all? Sometimes I think he is. And sometimes I think, oh, dear God, if anything should happen to Tiny Tim. Mother! You mustn't Here even think of such a thing. Here they are! Oh, darling, Tim. Merry Christmas, Father. Oh, so What oh. a dear. Merry Christmas, Father. And Tim <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mother. Oh, Tim, you darling. <laughs> oh, Father, I'm so glad to be home. And we're so glad to have you, Mother. And how did little Tim behave in church, Bob? Oh, as good as gold and better. Oh, I like church, Mother. Oh, they sang the nicest songs. I hope people saw me there. Saw you there? And why, Tim? Well, don't you see? because I'm lame, and if they saw my crutch, it might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas who it was made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Oh, bless
3: you, my son.
1: Are we ready to eat, Mother? Come on, let's eat. Yes, children, we're, we're all ready. ready Come take your places now. And I'll wait your turn. It's plenty, and stuffing and dressing and good pudding for all of us. Martha, you take care of tiny yes, Man. He Martha. He eats plenty. He must get strong and well. Now, just sit down. Sit down, everyone. And now, my dears. Shall we say grace? Spirit. Our father who art... Tell is. me. If Tiny
3: Tim will live... i see a vacant seat in the chimney corner, and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. Oh, no, no. No, no, kind spirit. Say he'll be spared. Say he'll live. If these shadows remain unauthored by the future, every day, the child will die. Amen.
1: And now, my dear, with such a dinner, a toast. A Merry Christmas to us all, and God bless us. God bless us, everyone. Uh And now to Mr. Scrooge. Uh I'll give you a toast to Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed, who pays you all of 15 shillings a week. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast on, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for oh, it. my dear, the children, Christmas Day. And it should be Christmas Day, I'm sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Bob. Nobody knows it better than you, poor fellow. Oh, my dear Christmas Day. I'll drink his health for your sake and the day's, not for his. Long life to him. A merry Christmas and a happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy. I have no doubt. And I say, God bless him too, Mother, and everyone. I like this.
2: my mark in all this. They were not a handsome family, these Cratchits. They were not well-dressed. Their shoes were far from being waterproof. Their clothes were scanty and had known very likely the insides of a pawnbroker's. But they were happy, grateful, pleased with one another, and contented with the time. And when at last they faded, Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim until the last. Many calls Scrooge made that night with a ghost of Christmas present. Down among the miners they went to labor in the bowels of the earth and out to sea among the sailors at their watch. Dark, ghostly figures in their several stations. Much they saw and far they went. and many places they visited. But always with a happy end. The spirits stood beside sick beds and they were cheerful. On foreign lands and they were close at home by poverty, and it was rich. In almshouse, hospital and jail, where vain man in his little brief authority had not made fast the door and barred the spirit out, the spirit left its blessing. It was a long night, if it was only a night. And it was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older,
3: older. My life upon this globe is very brief, Ebenezer. It ends tonight. Tonight? It's... Tonight at midnight. Hark, the hour has come. Oh, no, no, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. There, there are still more things I wish to learn. These you will learn from
2: still another spirit. Still another spirit, Ebenezer. Oh. Looked about him for the ghost that had vanished And he found himself once more in his bed In his dressing gown and his nightcap on his head He'd heard the clock strike and then He remembered the prediction Of old Jacob Marley And lifting up his eyes Beheld The third spirit a Solemn phantom Shrouded in black Great and hooded Coming towards him slowly and silently, like a mist along the ground. Ah, I know you.
3: You, you are the ghost of Christmas yet to come. You will show me the shadows of things that have not happened, but will happen in the time before us. Handsome spirit. Ghost of the future. I fear you more than any specter I've seen. Yet I know your purposes to do me good, as I hope to live to be another man from what I was. Lead on. Lead on. Night's waning fast, time's precious. Sir. why have you brought me here again? Here to Bob Cratchit's home? But it's not the same. Why is it so quiet? so very
1: quiet here. Mother. Mother, please. Oh, my son. My little son. I loved him so. Oh, Mother dear, you mustn't. It's almost time for Father to be home. Don't let him see you crying. Yes. Yes, Mother. It's late tonight. He walked slower than he used to. And yet I've known him to walk very fast indeed with tiny Tim on his shoulders. So have I, Mother. But he was light to carry. And his father loved him so that it was no trouble. No trouble whatsoever. Bob. Good evening, my dear. You're late, Bob. Yes, I'm sorry, my dear. I went to the churchyard today. I wish you could have
3: gone with me You've done your heart good to see how sweet and green a place it is. But you'll see it often, I promised him. Yes, I promised Tiny Tim we'd walk there on a
1: Sunday. Oh, Bettina, it's God's will, Bob. I'm trying to understand it, my dear. My son. My little son, Tiny Tim. And I loved him so.
3: Oh, that's cruel. Cruel. spirit. Can't you give me one ray of hope that I may change all that The tiny Tim may live? Where are you taking me now? Here, on a common for me to learn here. Who are those men? I don't know much about it. Either way, I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. It's likely it to be a very really cheap funeral for Palm and life. I don't know anybody to go to it. Suppose we make up a party and volunteer. I don't mind going if a lunch is provided. <laughs> <laughs> now, come to think of it. I'm very I with his best friend. What? We used to nod to each other when we met in the street. <laughs> <laughs> this man that died. Is there no one to mourn the poor creature? No one to follow him to the grave? Perhaps they'll give him a green grave at least like poor tiny Tim. Perhaps. Where are we now?
1: Merciful
3: heaven. A churchyard. Overrun by grass. And soaked with too much buried. desolate. Lonely, crumbling grave. Spirit, before I draw nearer to that gravestone, answer me one question are, are these shadows of things that will be, or, or are they shadows of things that may be only? Huh? Will, will you not speak to me, Spirit? What is that grave to which you point? The name on the gravestone is...
4: Ebenezer's.
1: Ebenezer's. <laughs> oh, no, no. No,
3: no, no, no. hear no, me. I'm not the man I was.
1: Why show me this
3: if I'm past all hope? Tell me that I can change these dreadful shadows you've shown me by an altered life. I'll honor Christmas in my heart. I'll try to keep it all the year. I'll live in the past, the present, and the future. And I'll not shut out the lessons that they teach. Tell me, pretty home. Go on, tell me. Tell me that I can sponge away the writing on that stone, Spirit. I beg you, Spirit. I beg you.
1: Spirit, I promise. I promise
3: on my knees. I promise. I promise I I
1: Let love and joy come. Oh, Oh,
3: I'm home in my own bed, in my own
1: room, and the sun, the sun's shining. It's clear, it's bright. No fog. What a beautiful day! Oh, nice. Glorious, The boy, oh boy! Yes, sir.
3: What? What's today? Well, what day is it, my fine fellow?
1: Today? Why, Christmas Day. Aha! Christmas Day!
3: Then well, I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. All in one night. Heaven be praised.
1: How's that, sir?
3: Listen, my lad. Uh, you know where the poultry is in the next street? I
1: can say I do. Ah, intelligent
3: boy. A remarkable boy. Tell me, do you know if they sold the prize turkey that was hanging in the window?
1: The one as big as
3: me? <laughs> what a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, my Buck?
1: It's hanging there now, sir.
3: That's wonderful. Go around, will you? And tell him to send it to Bob Cratchit and his family on Broad Street. And mind you, they're not to know who paid for it. Hold on, I didn't know that. Here, wait a minute. Here's half a crown for your trouble.
1: Yes sir. Yes sir. And a merry Christmas. Sir.
3: <laughs> and a merry Christmas to you, my boy. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather, as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> a merry Christmas to everybody. A happy New Year to all the world. Whoa! Yes, sir. How do you do? I I beg your pardon. Oh, you, sir. Aren't you the gentleman who came to my office in regard to that charity? Why, yes, sir. A Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Yes, sir. Allow me to ask your pardon, sir. And will you have the goodness to accept? I prefer to whisper this. But, but, Lord, bless me. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, no, not a farthing less. <laughs> a great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. <laughs> will you do me that favor? Oh, my dear sir, I don't know what to say to such a munificent... Oh, don't say anything, please. Come and see me. Will you, will you come and see me? I will, I will indeed. <laughs> thank you. I'm much obliged to you. I thank you 50 times. Bless you. Hey. <laughs>
2: next morning, Scrooge was early at his office. He went early for a reason. If He could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. That was the thing he'd set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past, no Bob. Scrooge sat with his door wide open that he might see him come in. At last he came. His hat was off before he opened the door. His comforter, too. He's on his stool in the jiffy, driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake 9 o'clock. 15 at 21, 6, and carry the 1 and 24, and carry
3: the 2, 31 and 8 and 9. Hello, you, Cratchit!
2: Yes, sir? Step this
3: way, Cratchit, if you please. Cratchit! What do you mean by coming in at this time of day? Well, I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. You are. Yes, yes. I think you are. Oh, it's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. It should not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'll not stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, Bob Crackett, I'm about to raise your salary. Mr. Scrooge, are you quite yourself, sir? No. No, thank heaven. I'm not quite myself. Merry Christmas, Bob. (laughs) Ha, ha. Merry Christmas, my good fellow. A merrier Christmas than I've given you in many a year. I shall raise your salary, and we'll see what we can do for Tiny Tim and the rest of your family. Huh? (laughs) Huh? We'll discuss it this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop. Bob, make a fire. Make it up and and buy another coal scuttle before you dart another eye.
2: Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all. And infinitely more. The Tiny Kim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and little heeded them. His own heart laughed. That was quite enough for him.
0: And that was Orson Welles Mercury, the Theatre on the Air's version of A Christmas Carol from 1939. And now I'll read from the book of Luke, the New Testament, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be enrolled with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said unto them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all of the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and good night.